Today on Spirit of Self Love Podcast, we have a very special guest here, Julissa Emil, also known as Mother Juniper. They're a Boston transplant from the United States Virgin Islands, a divine orator whose strong heart-centered delivery in words of profound ancient wisdom shift the planet and give voice to universes. Their work focuses on the intersections of blackness and queerness, and if that were a garden, what would grow from it? In our conversation, we talk about how to hold self-loving space at IHOP, heal and liberate ancestors with sacred words of empowerment in their exploration of astrology, herbalism, and obia work. Our conversation with Julissa Emil begins now. Well, you told me that you are going to be 21 soon. I am. Yes. <laughs> Aries. Aries. Disgustingly Aries. Like six placements in Aries. So is it like a April birthday? Yeah, April 3rd. And I told you that you don't seem like you're younger than 21, which I also don't really like getting those kind of comments either. I think mm-hmm. they're kind of annoying because mm-hmm. like, what is age? I feel like uh, it's very Aries to feel that way. Like, I feel like a lot of people are just like, you seem so much wiser beyond your years. And I said that wonder and wisdom are two things that are always going to be connected with one another. Yeah. Being an old soul, multiple lifetimes. Have you ever explored any of that? Yeah, I was thinking about it this morning. Um, I'm really into this app called The Pattern. And hmm. have you seen, have you been on The Pattern? No. Oh my God, it's terrible. It's like, I only have one friend on there because it literally just exposes your entire soul. Wow. Yeah, but I recently like started dating this person and it was just like, you and this person have a karmic link and that's why you feel so close to them and you feel like you've known them forever or whatever. And I just thought to myself, I was like, wow, we're really just destined to travel the earth for eternity in as the same soul in different types of skins, um, but I'll bite. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's. I think it's. It's really fascinating. I've been thinking a lot about like past lives, and I try not to. I'm a very anxious person, and sometimes I'm like I get anxious about like seven pa- seven lives into the future. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. I think that it helps me gain a better sense of empathy because I'm like I could be that person in the next life. So like you see people and you see what they're going through and you want to be kinder to them because it's like, that's the situation that I could be in very soon. And it's all karmic. It always like, it always comes back. We're all like on a very similar karmic plane. Like it's all going to happen to us. It's really interesting because I feel that way about so many of the people that I love that I've like known them forever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's how I'm feeling. Very old all the time old, old soul in very, very soft skin. (laughs) Mm. It's fascinating because sometimes we think that we've mastered things and then the test comes and it's like, what are you going to do in this situation? Because like I recently had this like falling out with someone and I was just like, oh, I know how to deal with these things. I'm so good at compartmentalizing and unpacking my feelings because I'm a beautiful cancer moon. And when it came time to like do all those things, I just got caught in this cycle of anger and not being able to like properly deal with the feelings that I was having. And we're here on this earth to heal a million times, no matter like how many times it takes. Like a black person from the Caribbean and then like all of this stuff that's like interconnected with that identity. Yeah. Especially like feminine people of color. We have like this 
want and desire to heal all the people that are around us before we like heal ourselves. Yeah. And that's been like something that I've been like struggling a lot with lately. And I was talking to my therapist about it the other day. She was just like, you can't fill other people's cups if you're not full first or something like that. Yeah. And I'm usually like, oh, whatever. But it's also, it's very true. Like we pour ourselves into like so many people that we forget to take care of ourselves. Like we forget to check into ourselves because we think we belong solely to like other people. In terms of lineage, that's like really hard to deal with because it's like I for a long time, a lot of what I based a lot of my healing on was when I heal, I'm doing it for like the people that came before me. I'm doing it for like my ancestry. And when I heal, my ancestors will heal or something like that. Yes. The best way to do it is if you're doing it for yourself. But it's hard to, you know, because there are points when you like don't consider yourself worthy and you have to like work around what exactly that means and mm -hmm. like why you don't. Think so highly of yourself. Recently, I have been trying to surround myself with a lot more like Black femme folks. And I feel like it's been really, really healing for me in a very specific way. And I think like, I hope like very healing for them as well. For Valentine's Day, I went down to Providence with a few of them. And it was so beautiful because we just like went out dancing and we went out to eat. It was just like us loving ourselves, somewhat disconnected from like the framework of like desirability in terms of like white supremacy. It's just, it's strange. You know, Valentine's Day is such a funny holiday when you're like a person that is single or like doesn't know what your relationship status is. Even stranger for like black feminine folks because we're like constantly told that we're undesirable or not worthy of a lot of feelings of love. So it was really nice to hold space and also just be around a lot of those really beautiful people. Yeah, you would say that surrounding yourself with people who have shared experiences is like a way that you practice your self-love. Oh, absolutely. Just makes it easier. You know, you see beautiful things in people and then you're like, I would like to see those things in myself. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they're already there, which is already, which is really nice. <laughs> I find that when we long for a sense of community mm -hmm. or like longing for a deeper relationship with ourselves because the community that we typically surround ourselves with are, I mean, like physically yeah, similar mm -hmm. to us, but also like emotionally, yeah, spiritually, yeah, like on that same wavelength. Yeah. So it's just kind of like a deeper development of a relationship, like back into ourselves. Oh, I love it. Oh. It's all I've wanted for so long. <laughs> I think I made a wish like last year and I'm really glad seeing that finally coming into fruition. And I'm glad that it's healing me the way that I, that it needs to. Mm. Mm. And so since you've like arrived at finding, I guess, a sense of tribe mm -hmm. and people who act as really validating and accepting mirrors for you. Mm -hmm. What was it like on your path navigating towards where you are now mm. and feeling kind of like an absence of this tribe that you have now? It's definitely been like a very hard one. I grew up on a majority black island, but still like uh, factors of white desirability were heavily present. We're like an American owned island. We're like a colony of the United States. Just like the way that I saw myself and like the way that I presented and felt about myself was like so strange. Like I remember like being in ninth grade in the bathroom with like one of my friends um, and I was just like, why is there like nothing interesting about my face? And I was just like looking at it for like the longest time. And 
how that incorporated itself into like the people that I ended up hanging out with and the people that I ended up dating. And like, it's very hard to see like good in yourself when like no one around you like looks like you. Mm -hmm. And mirrors aren't like the most definitive way to love yourself, but it's just like, it's a good start, you know, to like see something in someone else and then like want that to be seen in you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. The journey has been very difficult. And I definitely thought at like some points that I like had arrived, I was just like, yeah, I think I'm great. You know, like I have a boyfriend and therefore I'm a desirable person. Mm. I was so angry all the time because I guess there was like this dissonance, you know, of just like what I felt and then like what I was presenting as Mm. that bothered me for like the longest time. And then I figured it out in like 11th grade. I was like, I don't think I really like feel like a girl. Um, I don't think that I am really straight and I'd known that forever. Like when I was in sixth grade, I was in like Catholic school. So I used to like go to the public library and like read books about gay people, <laughs> like specifically like lesbians. And I was just like, oh, this is so beautiful. What a love story. The only real ones that have ever existed and about to turn 21. And I've just been thinking back on all these times that I was like, oh, <laughs> that was gay. <laughs> <laughs> Like when I was in fifth grade, I had like this uh, scrapbook uh, of like just photos of like Mariah Carey. And I just loved her so much. And I was just like, I did not figure out why. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) that was gay. (laughs) It's been really, it's been really hard. It's been very like eye opening. um, But I feel like a very deep sense of peace, like going along this path, you know? Really appreciate that you had that initiative and our passion for you to develop the resourcefulness to Mm -hmm. go to the library and find gay books oh yeah i think the first one was on accident though because i was just like this is so what what is this and then like i couldn't i never like took it out like i never like checked it out because i didn't want like somebody to find it and be like but i like it just would go back to the library every day and it was so cool because it was like right the library was like right next to my mother's office so i just go there right after school but yeah gay books are where it's at literature is tight literature is also a mirror into yourself you know was that another gateway into your practice of writing poetry perhaps yeah i don't know um i always i always wrote a lot because like i don't know i grew up in a a very i grew up in a very loving household but like very caribbean very like religious so like there are just certain things that like were not supposed to be talked about so like if i was sad i'd journal about it if i like felt spicy feelings (laughs) i would like journal about it and so and i feel like poetry kind of just became like the second language Sometimes people read poems and they're like, I have no idea what this is about. And I was just like, good. Because when straight people read my poems, I don't want them to know what it's about. Mm. It's not for them. And that's why they can't read it. Literature has always been like an escape, both like when I'm the one that's writing it. And then like also like the one that's reading it, of course, because it's like Morse code almost into like identity. Mm. (laughs) That just like clicked on a switch in my mind, what you just (laughs) said there, that you don't want people who haven't had a shared experience with you to be able to decode the messages in your poems. Yeah, yeah, it's it's actually really interesting how like, I haven't been to a slam in a minute, but I used to go to a lot of slams and I feel like people would always come up and be like, 
that piece was amazing. And um, you were such a phenomenal performer. And they're always talking about like the energy of the piece and like how the piece made them feel, but they understand absolutely not a word of it. Like I've had so many friends that are gender nonconforming or non-binary or both, and they'll do a poem about it. They'll come up to them right after the poem and then like be like amazing piece and then just like straight up misgender them. People don't have a full insight and identity. And so like they mess it up mm. a lot. Mm. <laughs> if it's not for you, it's not for you. This one was inspired by that trip that my friends and I took to Providence for Valentine's Day. This is called Side Chicks Go to IHOP on Valentine's Day. <laughs> And we be too loud and legs too wide open at the family dinner table. Too pissed off at how every restaurant wants to have a set menu. $70 a person. Single people aren't bitter that they're single on Valentine's Day. They are hungry. Me and my three best friends take a $4 lift to IHOP and feast on breakfast at 8 o'clock on a Thursday. Desirability politics paid the bill. I say, I don't know who it was that made us feel unlovable. I say, imposter syndrome creeped up my neck, said I wasn't sunshine enough to be donned on someone else's arm in public. And they'd be like, mm, you knew he had a girlfriend. And I'd be like, mm, he knew he had a girlfriend too. I am nowhere near bitter. I am blueberry syrup sweet. Three blueberry pancakes deep into loving myself. My best friends eat hash browns if it was the last supper, and she is so beautiful. That night, we hold each other in our arms and say, if no skater boy loves you, at least I do. And ain't it funny how all the white boys loved us until it was time to show us to their mamas. I love you, I do, and isn't that enough? Isn't this a love that's worth celebrating too? I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Just a few quick things. Review, share, and subscribe wherever you're listening now. You can follow us on Instagram at Spirit of Self Love. To learn more, visit spiritofselflove.substack.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the episode. Trying to reach as many identities as possible, like when I do my poems, because I feel like they all are obviously incorporated in me and they all have something to do with the way that I feel. So for you, in your experience in like discovering yourself mm-hmm. through intersectional identities, yeah. what was that like, that process of realizing, oh, I can put like words to this? It was always just like, okay, this is a place where like blackness is allotted, but this place is not a place where like queerness is allotted. Mm. And this is a place where queerness is allotted, but spirituality isn't allotted or something like that. And I feel like journey's been very difficult, but I don't know, since I've moved to Boston, we're in like the city where so many people come and are at so many beautiful intersections. And I feel like community has been something that's easier to find. And through community, I've been able to like access certain parts of my identity that feel like much more divine than they feel like superficial. That's amazing. You are cultivating divine connections over superficial ones. Yeah. And you also talked about how you had to separate, you know, certain aspects of yourself, section yourself off mm-hmm. based on what you feel is appropriate in each like given environment. With all of those experiences, 
what was it like for you to come into your divinity, spirituality? Mm-hmm. You had experienced so much of having to hide your authenticity mm-hmm. of other identities. Mm-hmm. It was very lonely. Like for a very, very long time. When you're figuring out that part of yourself, you have to like spend a lot of time away from people that you thought you cared about so that you can at least unpack and see those relationships for like what they really are and like the purposes that they serve in your life. And so finding like divine identities around my own self, it was, it was very lonely because to like cut people off that I thought were like doing well for me. And then I, realize that in the long run, this is not going to be a relationship that's going to be healthy for me. And that's, that's hard, you know, because I don't know, I'm a very, very social person. I have a huge 11th house stellium. I'm always wanting to interact with people. Mm. And so like having to spend all of this time away from people so that I could figure things out is really hard. And it still is like, I'm still like going through that process. Like I spent this last weekend inside because I was like I need to be with myself right now because I'm feeling really lonely and whenever I feel lonely that means that my body or my soul is trying to tell me something and that I need to listen to it right now yes Mm -hmm. yeah loneliness is a calling to Mm -hmm. go within for sure Yeah. yeah I love to rest And I like to not feel guilty about resting (laughs) because it's very easy to very easy to feel like inadequate when you're somebody that's resting or when you're taking care of yourself because of like the way that America makes us feel about it. You should rest. um, And that's that's me talking to the listeners. You should rest. This is your this is your sign. You should rest. (laughs) Um, I have a list. Last year, January 11th, it was Capricorn season. And that was important to me because this was a list poem and Capricorns love lists. I hadn't left my house in three days, but it wasn't like a healing thing. It was like sad, kind of like not leaving the house Mm -hmm. and left my house. And it was January, but it was surprisingly warm. And it was like, it felt sunny to me, even though it was like clouded outside. And I went all the way to Veggie Galaxy. I love Veggie Galaxy. Veggie Galaxy is one of the things that I love to do when I'm feeling down. A lot of poets like to do this, this thing called Friday crushes or like a Friday crush list. And so this poem is just like everything that I have like a crush on and I won't like read all of it, but it's just like, I have a crush on the entire staff at Veggie Galaxy and a crush on this vegan matcha frappuccino and the server because we both just gushed over the fact that we're both Aries Mm -hmm. and Marina and the diamonds is playing right now over the speaker. And my 16-year-old heart is screaming. I have a crush on this weather. And the snow is finally melting. And the little brown birds that stick around throughout the winter. And everyone in this lift line that I took here. And on myself for brushing my teeth. And for putting on a dress. And for allowing myself to feel pretty and wanted and to want back. So there is like the like self-love aspect Mm -hmm. and the catharsis of releasing like a lot of these feelings and emotions and thoughts through your poetry. Mm -hmm. Is there also like the hope that someone is going to listen, have that deep connection of like, oh, someone else gets this too. I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Yeah. I think for sure. I think for the longest time when I was slamming, there was just like this big thing that was just like, when we slam, we slam to heal other people as well. And I thought that was really beautiful. I try not to make it like the basis of my work. I really love how like 
people incidentally heal as like a cause of like a lot of my work. I get a chance to communicate things to people just by creating a scenery and through the scenery, people like feel this kind of emotion that's like going on in this room, this like nebulous space that I'm creating in my work. I have this other poem that's like, that's called Buccaneer and it's about like neocolonialism and a lot of the ignorance surrounding the Caribbean. Like when Caribbean people come to the state side or like when stateside people come to the Caribbean. And I think it's really beautiful because a lot of people struggle uh, with words and assigning like words to like a lot of the feelings that they have. And I'm really glad to be a part of their process of unpacking that, especially when I barely had to do any work for it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's really nice, you know, and I'm happy for them. And I'm glad that we get to heal together. I wrote this poem kind of just like, because I wanted to heal so badly. There are people that want me to heal. There's that Facebook post going around that's like, your grandmother's prayers are still working on you. And I'm just like, I hope so, because like, it's really hard to be alive sometimes. But I ended up writing Tropical Depression and it's about a lot of things. It's about like misogyny. It's about like craft as like a reclamation of self. It's about depression. It's about lineage. It is the 10th time this year that my mental health has deferred me from cleaning my room, which is strange because it is only March, which is strange because it is not even hurricane season yet. All the same, my mother tells my family members that my room has been hit by Hurricane Julissa. And the older men of my family, who swear that old plus man must equal wise, start to tell me stories about hurricanes that carry the names of women and how they always do the most damage. And they probably expect us to take the hit because our fathers were farmers that only raised scapegoats. But my mother has replayed the history to me a thousand times over. See, she starts with my great grandmother, who could cook up a spell better than she could cook up a meal, who you went to when you wanted your palm red you went to when you wanted your husband dead, who the children in the neighborhood whispered stories about because women like her were burned at the stake centuries ago then. She speaks of my grandmother, who was brought up in a time where child marriages were as regular as rain and never lived a day until her husband died. Once, a man came to her doorstep trying to take her hand for marriage, and she drew a line in the sand with her machete and dared him to cross it and cross her. You see, they called her a witch, called any woman that made it clear she could do without a man a witch, which leads us back to my mother, who brought me up in a matriarchy so I would know whose blood I carried beneath my skin. Every good Friday, cracking eggs to see the future and cracking eggs to make us breakfast. And she turned on the heat to her own stove and she turned the key in her own lock and she held me like a back brace so I would stand tall and look over all that she'd secured for me. So maybe the women of my family are witches, brujas, obia women using our powers to escape from the wicked. Maybe the women of my family are magicians, always having a trick or a knife up our sleeves, ready to strike at any man who thinks he can twist my will by calling me baby, who thinks he can twist my wrist when I don't respond to him calling me baby, and maybe the women of my family are hurricanes, and maybe hurricane is just a name that man gave to mother nature's reclamation of herself. All I know is that there must be some kind of magic involved for our blood to have survived this long. And if the trauma is the only thing that survives, at least something of us survives. And if the women of my family can survive this time and time again, then maybe I will survive this tropical depression. 
knowing this makes it hard for me not to walk into a room like I have a place there to claim this ruin that preceded me like this land is mine like this body is mine like my history is something that was supposed to meet me here and maybe we were the hurricane that you weren't prepared for the natural disaster that saw that all that man claimed to be his and took it back and generation after generation we will take ourselves back again I feel a lot more in touch with a lot of the people like like ancestry and lineage after like doing that piece now. But like also like after like I finished writing it, but that poem just like it feels like definitely like a heightened self kind of thing. I'm like, I'm a bad bitch. And so is everybody and all these witches in my family, <laughs> you know, um, it's just it feels so good. It feels like behind me are all of these beautiful people that came before me and they are like lifting me up every single time that I do this piece and I think it sets a lot of people free I think it's like set free certain parts of myself and I feel like it's healed like some of my lineage not all of it but a good a good piece Mm -hmm. which is really like such a beautiful feeling for me that's really beautiful oh thank you So you went to Catholic school. I did. <laughs> what was that experience for you? Because I also went to Catholic school. Oh my God. Terrible. Why did they do that to us? <laughs> Contrast. Uh, yeah. Catholic school's a trip, yo. For sure. Ooh. Yeah. Catholicism is very strange, especially in the Caribbean. <laughs> um, because like a lot of like the practices that we have in the Caribbean, like hoodoo, voodoo, obia, senderia, all of that kind of stuff all have like aspects of Catholicism in them because like slaves had to hide what their true religion was. Yeah. Saying this word again, there's just like this dissonance in it. Like there just doesn't, there feels like there's this very deep disconnect from like what God actually wants. There's a lot of anger around like Catholicism and like in the Catholic church. So much anger. So much anger in it. And it's just like, why is that? But because they're like, we don't ask questions here. Who do you think you are or whatever? It's just like, there's no space for unpacking. And it creates this very strange culture of just like, we're not saying anything. We're just like following. And that's that. And I was just like, I'm a Gemini rising. So incredibly inquisitive all the time and that just was not cutting it for me i could not do it i was in catholic school from like first grade until like eighth grade and i got my confirmation in eighth grade and i remember we had to go on like the retreat before we got confirmed and i remember being on the retreat and i was just like crying so much and i could not figure out why like i just felt like this deep sorrow inside of me for some reason i went home and i was so i was still so sad and like I still got confirmed. But after that, I was just like, this ain't it, yo. It's not for me. Like, I really do not think that Catholicism is like what my soul wants or has ever wanted. It's just something that's been like imposed upon me. I think any dynamic that creates an environment where like inquisitive people can't ask questions is an unhealthy environment. Yeah, so much of it is still so militant based because Mm -hmm. of its foundations in Mm -hmm. like colonialism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also like so much like sexual repression as well, which is probably where like the majority of the anger feelings come from. I have a quote for you. I have a quote for you. Okay, (laughs) I had this geared up. Uh, There's this movie called The Love Witch, and it's like a cheesy. It's made in like 2000 and 
like like the it's in his 2010s or whatever his movie um but it's kind of just like making fun of like cheesy 70s movies but it's through this gorgeous lens of like this witch and she's just killing all these men haha <laughs> spoiler alert um but there's this quote in it from her high priestess i'm gonna read it okay The whole history of witchcraft is interwoven with the fear of female sexuality. The high priestess of Elaine's coven explains by the way of the thesis. They burned us at the stake because they feared the erotic feelings we enlisted in them. Later, they used marriage to hold us in bondage and make us servants or fantasy dolls, never asking us what we wanted. They teach us that normative human being is a higher rationalistic stoic male and the woman's emotions and intuitions are illnesses that need to be cured. (laughs) <laughs> I was just watching this comedy movie. It's funny. And then I was like, homegirl is making some points. Like, she's saying what needs to be said. And that's just, like, how it feels. Like, Catholic school is so much patriarchy. And it's so fascinating to me being, like, a Black person and, like, watching a lot of the things that, like, people just, like, follow that are so innately anti-Black. You know? like. Religion is not something that's like innately anti-black, but the way that these religions that were used in the Caribbean and like many like places that use slavery, those are definitely just bad. So much of the colonialism was ingrained into it and completely steered a lot of these religions into darkness and chaos. I, I used to go to Wheelock College and we had this class called Human Growth and Development. We were talking about like the emotions that human beings actually have from birth and many of them are like also like emotions that other animals have and only animals that have metacognitive thinking meaning animals that are able to see themselves are animals that can feel shame and that just struck me so terribly because it's just like shame is just like a very strange thing and it's not like an organic emotion it's only an emotion we feel because like people put it on us and I feel like that was like a lot of the beginning for like the undoing of like a lot of the Catholic background that I had or like a lot of the feelings of shame that I had around like sexuality and like beauty and my work. There's just so much shame. Yeah. Shame in religion is like almost like one of the founding principles. And like, that's not fair. And I don't think it's right Um, I don't think that there's a God out there that would create beautiful people and then be like, don't be this way. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you work through? Well, I guess it seems like you kind of veered off of that since you already had like your own intuitive inner awareness and knowing that this wasn't it. Mm -hmm. How did you steer yourself out of this shame ridden institution and system to come into like your own spirituality? Word. Yeah. Took a really long time, still definitely like developing it. I'd heard stories growing up for like the longest time from like my mother and like about like her mother and her mother's mother and whatever. And I was like, so this is just like a pattern that we have here. And it's like always been a thing. And I'm just going to have to come into my own about it since nobody wants to talk to me about it. Mm. My grandmother passed away in 2005. But before that, she used to order a McDonald's farmer's almanac every single year. Because in the Caribbean, that's like how people do it. Like depending on like what sign the moon is in, that's like the day that people will like pull up weeds. There's like different stuff here. 
it's a beautiful book and it's fascinating like that this is like all astrology even though like astrology and like craft are like something that were very very hush hush when I was growing up and I was just like then why do we have all these books lying around like why is this something that is constantly like directly in our vision but we're like never ever talking about it Hmm. this book is just like very very green I don't know I don't know if I want to say like green witchy but like very like herbalism based and that's been something that's very important to me as of late and like looking at the way that like nature has always been there to heal us you know and how it's nothing new at all these are like traditions that have been passed down forever but it just took me a while to get the book i feel like i identify as a witch in terms of like accessibility to language just in the same way that like i identify as a gay person sometimes because it's easier to do that than explain the entire gender binary to people. I do a lot of obia work and that's like what is like common in like my lineage. I also do like a lot of herbalism work and that is what a person would call a witch, you know, like caretakers of the land, caretakers of the animals, using herbs to heal you as opposed to like using other forms of medicine like that's what someone would call a witch and by that means i am one but i don't know if i always identify as it would you like to tell listeners where they can get in touch with you or learn more about you and your work yeah my instagram is at mother juniper like the juniper berry and my twitter is incidentally also mother juniper Mm-hmm. And if you are interested in booking me, you can hit me up at jujuismagic at gmail.com. <laughs> Thank you for sharing so much of yourself today. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me here and opening up my throat chakra. Yeah, it's been like very much a pleasure mm-hmm. getting to experience this with you. Mm-hmm. Is there a meaning behind Mother Juniper? Mother is the scientific name that you give to a plant when it if you cut off a piece of it more of it grows i really love that and then i just love the juniper berries my name is julissa and then they both are juju and so i like using that a lot mother juniper Mm -hmm. really is like resonating on a level of like not necessarily like gendered in terms of more of like Mm -hmm. a mother as the archetype of a nurturer Mm -hmm. and a creator Mm-hmm. one that cares a lot for the collective mm-hmm. tribe mm-hmm. which i feel you totally embody oh, thank you i hope so mm. i would like to stay energetically grounded or at least maintain things that would keep me energetically grounded as like i move on into different aspects of my life like my artistry is like just getting started and there are so many things that I would like to do with it. I'm a very all around orator and I want to do like different kinds of voice stuff and different kind of like acting with voices and music and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm excited for it, but I'm going to get there. Thank you for listening today. You are loved so profoundly. Thank you for being here at this time to assist in the evolution of humanity. Thank you for being a leader of the self-love movement. Remember who you really are, love always, and I'll meet you at the next one.